1: Welcome to Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Later in the programme, sheep wool Prospects with Mr Sean McNamara, ICSA National Sheep Committee Chairman, Miss Pauline O'Driscoll, Chagas Skibberine Office on Dairy Matters, and Irish Farmers Journal Acting Editor Miss Amy Ford looks at the new tougher bovine TB testing relations on the way and writes about this extensively in this week's edition of the Irish Farmers Journal. But first, Mr. T.J. Marr, IFA National Animal Health Committee Chairman on the new tougher TB regulations on the way. T.J., welcome to the programme. What's your main concern about these regulations insofar as we know about them?
2: Well, I our, our key concern is obviously to ensure that there's no additional cost on farmers. Uh, I think the background here is that um, on the 1st of January 2022, yeah, the new EU animal health regulations for trade came into effect under these regulations, uh, animals moving from farm to farm or through a mart had to have a TB test uh, from a herd test in the last six months or, or, or a TB test themselves within the previous six months. Um, and this obviously was going to have a significant impact on the overall movement and of animals from farm to farm and the mart trade. Uh, there has been significant and ongoing negotiations with ourselves and the Department of Agriculture through the TB forum uh, around this whole uh, pro- process of implementation uh, and how it will be interpreted and how, who will bear the costs. At this stage we have a broad agreement uh, that we will now realign this test on cows moving from farm to farm and males over 36 months predominantly bulls in this situation. Uh, or through a mart. Uh And this is reducing the number of animals by over 90% that would have been affected uh, by the new regulation. This is intended to be rolled out uh, from spring of 2023. Um, but the, the remaining concern and difficulty that we have in the negotiations is uh, the department have as yet not in, uh, agreed to the payment of it. Now, our very clear stance is, and we're operating through the financial working group of the TB Forum, that farmers have a long-standing agreement that we pay for one annual hair test for every animal on our farm. And any other statutory test that is required by the department, uh, or, or either for, through this program or, or through the TB monitoring program, must be paid for by the department. And that is where the negotiations are. They're at a sensitive stage at the moment as part of our overall financial program. So I would encourage farmers, first of all, uh, not uh, to panic and, and to be calm around this situation. There's six months to go here. And also, it's our intention that there will be no cooperation without the department paying for this one, because this is a very clear red line for us.
1: Now, is there an overall deadline for the total, insofar as we can use the word total, for the total eradication of TB? Some people think it's 2030. You might confirm that, TJ, the date set by the government, uh, I think it was the previous minister. At
2: at the launch of the TB forum under Minister Creed, I think it was four years ago at this stage, there was an initial target of uh, 2030. Uh, At this stage, I would say that certainly is ambitious. Uh, given the fact that we have had a number of difficult years with TB uh, growth numbers. I think in the North Cork area there have been significant outbreaks over the last two years with significant levels of hardship uh, and and losses on family farms. Uh, So I think there are two considerable key issues here. Obviously the management of the wildlife programme has to be improved on, uh, and secondly, the level of financial losses suffered by farmers, particularly the weakness in the income supplement when farmers lose their income, needs to be addressed. And that is the key issue with which we are now operating towards a resolution in the financial working group uh, as part of the forum. But to say things will move quickly would be uh, an understatement because there's a considerable sum of money involved here and there's considerable. Uh, losses at hand uh, on farms, and this has to be resolved before there's further movement.
1: And, TJ, you refer there to wildlife. Do you feel that the vaccination of badgers, that vaccination of badgers programme, is that working to any extent? Because we know wildlife has always played a key role.
2: Look, there obviously is concern uh, in various counties uh, around the efficacy of uh, the vaccination programme. The reality for us as farmers and the department is that, uh, given the fact that the badger is a protected species, we cannot operate the wildlife program without the vaccination program running hand-in-hand with badger removal in infected areas. Uh, There needs to be, and we have consistently called for ongoing monitoring and review of the program in certain areas uh, to ensure its efficacy is improving. the, 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 the department have consistently brought forward figures to us to indicate that the R number, as we know from COVID, is the reinfection rate uh, of vaccinated badgers as against uh, unvaccinated badgers, is 0.6 as against 1.4. So they are consistently maintained there is significant uh, reduction in disease spread where vac- badgers are vaccinated. Um, but the key concern emerges amongst farmers that outbreaks are are still taking place in vaccinated areas and it is a concern that needs to be addressed and as issues we are raising on a continuous basis with the department but to be fair to them we do understand the situation that uh, given the regulations around uh, the badger management program that the vaccination program will continue to be a key part of the overall program going forward.
1: TJ, is it clear, from what we know so far about the regulations, is it clear who will be responsible for testing for paying, you know, the buyer or the seller, and under what circumstances, you know, who pays, buyer or seller?
2: Uh, As the proposal stands at the moment, and I I keep repeating myself that this is a proposal that has to be completely uh, finalised, because no individual farmer has been contacted about this yet, it's it's a pre- or post-movement test, uh, so the the cost the cost capture of that has to be ad- has still to be uh, reconciled. Uh, you would envisage that it would certainly be far easier for payment for the seller to be the one that that has the option to have the ha- have it prepaid on the basis he's in his herd, because they, I, cause as it stands at the moment uh, under the proposal, uh, if you you can sell your animal outside that six months test window. But once that animal goes to the market, the buyer who buys it will be informed uh, within 30 days that an- that animal is due a TB test. Uh, if that test is not completed under uh, a following another 30 days, he'll be instructed that his herd has been restricted and he will have another 30 days to complete that test uh, as it stands at the moment. So it would obviously seem to be a cleaner, a cleaner operation uh, if it was done pre uh, pre-movement. but And this is where the science of this is important, and this is part of the negotiations. Um, clearly, breeding females in, uh, is what we're talking about here. Uh, cows, whether uh, to be dairy or suckler, are very valuable animals at the moment. And certainly, if you're spending up to 2,000-plus two, 2, euros on a cow, you would think it would be good risk assessment to ensure that her TB status was known to you at a, at a reasonably date close to her sale. Uh, because it is, it is certainly becoming clear that uh, TB is certainly focusing and concentrating on the cow population in the country, and we have to, we have to do whatever we can to ensure we reduce the risk to farmers from bringing it into their herds. Uh, so I think there is science behind this proposal as we have developed it, rather than an initial scattergun approach that was originally uh, being put forward uh, by the regulation with, with the implementation by the department. So it's not a perfect solution but it's certainly a far better solution the key as i said the key the key impediment is uh, who, who the, the person who pays the bill and it's a red line issue for us farmers will not pay
1: lack of implementation of these new tougher regulations could mean you're at greater risk of your herd being you know locked up
2: well obviously uh, they, they, there is a risk within that uh, and uh, the danger obviously is from every farmer is that uh, that if they are testing and there is risk within their herd, uh, it may be captured. But the reality is if they sell on that animal and that animal goes down further, the herd will be locked up on a, on a check-back basis anyway. So the important point here from our perspective and using the science uh, is that it's best to capture the infection at an early stage as possible. And one of the key points that we have raised with the department around its development and implementation is that <clears throat> to allow fl- farmers the flexibility to move their hair test closer to their sale date. So for the sake of argument, as an example, I, if I was a suckler farmer selling Waylands in September, October, and I had a TB test normally uh, taking place around uh, January or February, it would maybe be in my best interest to move that test now to June to, so that my window for sale would still be available within the six months but that at the same time, if I was to get locked up, I would still have a window to get clear before the back end of the year so that I wouldn't have to hold my animals over the winter. So it's going to require some flexibility uh, with the departments and vets to walk around the whole new program to ensure that farmers, who would be in a position that they will have to possibly test animals twice in the one year, could move their hair test to ensure that they were maximizing their test periods in, 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 in and around their sale period.
1: I think we could agree that more consultation with the Minister, further clarification would be very useful.
2: I, and I will give the Department credit here, they have been very open uh, through the mechanism of the TB forum, through the working groups. There are a number of working groups the TB implementation group, the communications group, the financial working group. We meet. Uh, each one of those meet on a monthly basis and have done so now for over 12 months. Uh, um, So there has been significant consultation. There has been progress made, uh, and farmers will have seen that there has been improvements made. Some of them uh, not not everyone is in favour of, but the reality is we have to try and work towards a situation that protects herds that are clear and tries to ensure the disease where it exists on farmers' herds is captured and removed as quickly as possible, but the farmer themselves aren't financially uh, put out of pocket as a result of this. So that's the key consultations that we are in at the moment. We're at a very sensitive stage around this, and it's important that we continue to work towards that. We have certainly, by our acceptance of this proposal, indicated that we are not opposed to using testing and science to further improve the programme. Uh, And and remembering every test, as we keep pointing out to the farmer, has two costs. The cost of paying the vet and the cost of paying the farmer, because as any man who has ever brought in cattle out of the field, they don't come themselves. And they certainly need manpower and help to do that, and that's a cost. So we're very clear to the department that if they are prepared to pay the vet, Uh, we are paying our expenses. We're we're looking after our expense and we certainly think that's a fair agreement.
1: Thank you very much indeed, Mr TJ Marr, IFA National Animal Health Committee Chairman. Thank you very much, TJ. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk Programme, Miss Amy Ford, acting news editor, Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Amy, welcome to the programme. Now, in this week's Irish Farmers Journal, you write about the department's plans to bring in tougher bovine TB testing rules. Can you give us some broad outline of where the rules would be tougher and differ from the present situation, roughly?
3: Yeah, John, Uh, TB in Ireland, look, I suppose it's something that we've been trying to eradicate for decades and it's probably going to be decades before it is eradicated. So in a move to try and, you know, push that on a bit and eradicate it, the Department of Agriculture has moved to basically TB test animals more. So farmers will have to TB test all cattle inside six months before they go through March or are traded from farm to farm under new animal health rules. So this will all kick off from February next year in phase one, where cattle over 36 months, that's cattle over three years of age, Must have had a TB test six months before they're traded or else cattle buyers who buy untested stock will have to TB test them within 30 days of purchasing. So what does that mean in practice? Basically, John, if you're selling cattle through the mart and I'm going to buy them, you're going to have to either TV test them within six months of them going through that ring. And if you don't and I'm buying them, I'm going to have to test them 30 day, within 30 days of buying them. Um, the risk is then if, if I don't test them within that 30 day time frame, my herd will be locked up. And as I said, this is the first phase of the new testing requirements and then it will be extended to all cattle eventually. Um so the department the department has confirmed that if they don't fulfil the requirements then they must be tested either within thirty days prior to movement or within thirty days after movement into the new herd. Um so it's a really big change from the department in in a bid to move it on, I suppose. Um it hasn't said who's gonna to have to foot the bill for this extra testing, um, but it appears that farmers and, and cattle buyers will have to foot the bill.
1: And, of course, the farm organizations, the initial reaction of the farm organizations, they're up in arms. They say they just won't entertain. They just don't want to pay extra for this uh, testing. But I understand there will be uh, quite uh, heavy penalties. Herds uh, could get locked up. If you don't comply with the new regulations next year, well, then your herd might be locked up. And the departments really are serious because we've been trying to, quote, eradicate TB for so long, for years and years we've been told we're making progress and there are setbacks, etc. To what extent would the new regulations call for herds to be locked up if the farmers are not seen to be complying?
3: Yeah, so if after 30 days, animals that have been bought basically have not been TB tested, then the herd uh, that receives them will be restricted. And if after another 30 days, the animals still haven't been tested, then the whole herd will be scheduled for TB test. So that's what they're saying on that front. Um, I, I suppose you mentioned reaction there in a red oil of the Ico- uh, Irish Cooperation Organisation Society, ICOS, has said that the imposition of the six-month testing for all animals over three years of age will be an extra burden for trading livestock through the marts um, but he said that the overall numbers of cattle affected by this change they hope will be small but he did say then over the next few years as this becomes a requirement for all animals traded in the marts and indeed farm to farm that it is going to be a real cost issue for some farmers and he's hoping that it delivers the intended effect of greatly reducing overall TB outbreaks in Ireland so I suppose we really have to see how it pans out from next year and how things are working with it uh, John as to how it whether it has an, um, a big impact or not
1: sometimes you'll hear non-farming members of the public say there's excessive movement of cattle within the country and thus uh, spreading of disease. Could that movement be curtailed?
3: I suppose the practicality of that would be very difficult. Like if you think of a farmer, John, like their job, if they're a suckler farmer and they're selling waylands at the back end of the year, uh, their job is either if they're increasing or lower numbers, whatever, but buying in replacements, having cows, and then the animal that comes out of that cow basically has to be sold either through a market or farm to farm at the end of the year and um, you know cattle have to move on and off farm same as on dairy farms and um, calves uh, have to be sold or as kept as replacements or cold cows have to go through the market or go to the factory so you can't really just have a, a system where animals are all kept inside the gate it doesn't work like that there has to be some trading somewhere in order for farmers to make to make money off them um, I suppose a lot of things over down through the years have been mooted has been coming in like we have extra risk factors and um, You know, there was the discussion of, you know, locking up trade and kind of like that at some stage a couple of years ago. That's been ruled out. Um, And then there's a whole effort in in biosecurity on farms themselves. So, you know, kind of blocking off areas so badgers can't get in and good biosecurity efforts have gone in. Um, Farmers would say that they were doing all they're told and that's probably in fairness they have been. Um, in terms of the current policy but the cost is a serious issue to them on top of everything else and especially this year and next year like we've seen fertiliser prices and input prices absolutely go through the roof earlier this year and they're mooted to be staying high enough uh, so far hopefully they will come down for farmers um, but they're still staying high so this is just going to be another extra cost on top of them.
1: Miss Amy Ford acting news editor Irish farmers journal Also in the journal, 20th of August, Saturday, 20th of August, you have a headline there, Dairy Gold Co-op urges suppliers to pay the NDC levy. What do the farmers who've received this uh, letter, what do they feel they'll be getting for this levy, which our sponsor, Dairy Gold, seems to be urging uh, suppliers to sign up for?
3: Yeah, so Dairy Gold strongly recommending all all milk suppliers to contribute to the NDC. That's the National Dairy Council. And this levy is to finance basically an enhanced advocacy role for the organization um in a letter to suppliers dairy gold said that it had agreed a collaborative strategy with the ndc uh, to help represent all dairy farmers and to secure the future of the irish dairy industry so this is really to push on you know um how nutritious how world-class uh, ireland's dairy farms and farmers are um the levy will basically go towards uh, the social p- license to produce pillar of, of the ndc strategy so that's that's the NDC basically promoting um, dairy farmers' social licence to produce and why they should pr- produce um, such high-quality dairy. So that'll have a strong focus on farmer ag- advocacy in both contested, so that's possibly debates on national media, and uncontested in the form of advertising arenas. So that money is to go towards basically, um, as Zoe Kavanagh has told us a couple of weeks ago in the Farmers' Journal, basically uh, you know having spokespeople available for the sector, for the dairy sector, um to to go to to go to bat basically for the dairy sector in the future and advertising then as well.
1: Thank you very much indeed for talking to us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk program, Miss Amy Ford, acting news editor, Irish Farmers Journal, and those articles by you, Amy, Dairy Gold co-op urges suppliers to pay NDC levy and increased TB testing is a quote real cost issue for farmers. All in the Irish Farmers Journal of Saturday twentieth of August, twenty twenty two. Amy, thank you very much. ICSA, Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association, reaction to the additional TB testing requirements on the way. ICSA Animal Health and Welfare Chair, Mr Hugh Farrell, has called on Minister McConalogue and his department to explain how they're going to finance additional TB testing demands facing farmers. Hugh Farrell said at the TB forum... ICSA had always been insistent that farmers would pay for one annual herd test and one test only. However, he said, ICSA, along with other farmer representatives, have been left, he claimed, exasperated by the Department of Agriculture's refusal to engage with them on how any additional mandatory testing would be financed. Mr Farrell contended it was now clear that Minister McConneloog needs to have an honest dialogue with farmers, and he posed the question, does he expect them to pay for additional TB testing or not? In further response to the additional TB costs, IFA Animal Health Chairman Mr T.J. Maher said payment of the additional testing would be a red line for the IFA, And, he said, the long-standing position of the IFA Animal Health Committee was that farmers only paid for one annual TB test per year. Mr. Marr said, any other additional statutory testing obligations or TB control programme requirements must be paid for by the department. He said, the IFA's position had not changed on this. Mr Marr said IFA policy was clear that until there was an agreement within the financial working group of the TB Forum, the regulation must not be implemented. Later in the programme, we speak to Mr TJ Mar And Mr Des Morrison, chairperson, as MSA livestock Committee, told the Farm Programme that his members would be opposed to paying any additional charge for the new TB regulations. We are joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme by the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association National Sheep Chair, Mr. Sean McNamara. First of all, Sean, welcome to the programme. Could you give our listeners one or two tips about sheep welfare in the current heat wave? How can we look after the welfare of sheep?
4: The main thing I'd be saying to farmers with sheep is make sure there's water under them at all times. It's exceptional hot weather at the moment and grass is dry and a lot of... People tell you sheep don't need water, but they need a lot of water at the moment, and that's the main thing. And another thing is, from flies, like from maggots, is a big thing. I would say farmers either dip them or put some sort of a uh, click on them or something just to keep the, the maggot out of the sheep. But I use pour-on, and it is a sheep safe for three months, so any farmer that does them with it is safe nearly. You'll surely get two and a half months out of it, and so you'll get over there.
0: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. Plushcare.com slash weight loss
1: that, you Wool. Now, you have been to the fore. You and your organization, the ICSA, have been to the fore in trying to, number one, where you've succeeded in getting a wool feasibility study. It costs 100,000 euro in the end, but you've That's got great. a wool feasibility study. You've worked with the... Development of the Wool Council. So where are we now with wool? Is there a need for training? Is there a need for better quality, better elimination of dags and other impurities from the wool? The first thing that has
4: to come is that they have to go grant to some of uh, these places to, to develop the wool market uh, for that industries, to develop the wool market. And the, the most important thing is, and unless farmers get a, a decent price for the wool, they're not going to bother their head dagging. You couldn't blame them. Like, after all, Two kilos of wool and 30, 40 cents. Like, what? It costs you more to go to the, go to the place with the wool to get rid of it then, than you get for the wool. So, like, it's a total joke. Like, a uh, farmer getting 30 or 40 cents. Years ago, you would get um, an old pounds you could get a pound a pound for it. Now it's 20 or 30 cents a kilo. It's totally ridiculous what's going on. And unless farmers get a decent price of the wool, they can't forget about the wool at. That's all I can say.
1: Arising from the wool feasibility study, it would appear there are some areas where, if improvements were carried out, particularly training in producing a better, cleaner, finished product, that that might be far more acceptable. Woolen garments, highly priced, highly appreciated, good quality woolen garments of all sorts, wool, sheep wool can be used in insulation of walls, and nowadays, very important, the issue of fertilizer, wool can be used as a fertilizer, I understand.
4: That's right, wool can be used as fertilizer. It might be that strong of a fertilizer, but it is a fair good fertilizer. Um, Another thing is, and a big thing is, instead of weed killer, wool can be used for suppressing weeds. The simple reason, and you still, we say you saw a uh, woman saw, or anyone saw, uh, a bundle of flowers or trees, and they want to keep the weeds from around them. They you put the wool around when you'll have no weeds, and it'll also take in the water and hold the water for the grow the plants at the same time.
1: And I think, Sean, I'm correct in saying that you appreciate the work done as part of the wool feasibility study and the work being done by the Wool Council. These are, at the very least, steps... Towards recognising the true potential of wool, that waste of wool at the moment.
4: Yeah, well, sure. like, we have to be truthful about what it. it is being wasted at the moment. I do uh, welcome the feasibility study, but I'd like to see lot have action done on the feasibility study. Like uh, so it's all right put now, feasibility study, but given a hundred thousand for it, but like that in that feasibility study, it says all the different p- things that has to be done, and it needs to be followed up on by Pippa Hackett and money given to it and the whole lot, like. Like, at the moment, like, we fair about and we all know it, uh, farmers are just throwing the wool at their feet and on that not and getting it up, and that's been saved, which is not worked up enough. They're leaving for it. They're throwing it, like, letting it rot there in the downstairs in that state and using it as a fertiliser. That's what they're doing at the moment.
1: And the cost yeah. of shearing the sheep won't even be covered in a lot of cases by the wool. It's just uh, the shearing, which must be done for the welfare of the animal, naturally enough, in the summertime, yeah. money just, again, thrown down the drain. Yeah,
4: which you can say, like, uh, sheer and cheap. you can say between 250 and 3 euros and you get 30 cents uh, for your wool or 40 cents maybe and 40 from 250 so you would say 40 from 250 you have t- you're a loss of 210 right away there and this is where I've been making up my figures when I say farmers at 7 euros a kilo or 7, or 7 uh, euros profit at 7 euros a kilo all these little, little, little bits and pieces when you put the whole eye into it you don't be long adding up to making very little money
1: You will, I understand, uh, be making further representations and further publicising your problems with uh, the price for sheep, meat and lamb meat being cut. And you won't give up hope for ultimately having uh, wool appreciated and uh, farmers getting some kind of price for it. Well, thank you very much indeed for speaking to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk Programme and spending some of your valuable time. Mr. Sean McNamara, Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association, National Sheepshare. Thank you, Sean, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks
4: a lot, John. It's nice to be on your programme.
1: Thank you very much. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, we have Mr. Des Morrison, the ICMSA Irish Creamery Milk Supplier Association. National Livestock Chairperson. First of all, Des, welcome to the programme. Now, you are deeply upset in your press release uh, just out today. EU beef prices are rising. UK beef prices are stable. Yet our Irish beef prices are falling. And your organisation, ICBC, wants to know why.
5: First of all, uh, John, there has been no change in our markets that I know of. So what needs to be done is a rapid increase in, in beef prices to bring them back up to where they were six to eight weeks ago. Um, Like, beef prices dropped 45 cents a kilo in Ireland. Uh, They've actually risen by 7% in Europe, and they're stable or rising slightly in Britain. So, what's happening? There's only two things happening. Either the markets that the Irish processors are supplying are falling, which is not happening. There's no evidence of that. Or the Irish processors are taking a bigger margin for themselves, which is the most likely. So what we need done now is an immediate price across the board for all beef, steer, heifers, bulls, cows. Simple as that.
1: Producers of beef here in Ireland, they deserve at least the European Union average price. And you are calling on the processors again to... Measure up to that immediately. We are entitled, at least, to the EU average price.
5: Yes, indeed. If you look, if you go back, maybe earlier in the year, and that actually the Irish price has surpassed the European average price. So I don't think it's too much of an ask that we match it all year round. It's not impossible. We're producing a very good product, a very saleable product that's in demand. So I don't think we should be treated any less favourably. And I say I does not believe that.
1: Speaking to Mr Des Morrison, as you would say, Livestock Committee Chairman, you point out that Irish average prices recorded for R3 prime male cattle in the same period in 2021 was 38 cents above the European average so that the fall year on year is even more mysterious and drastic as you've just referred to earlier there to drive home that point.
5: Well, it's as simple as that. Um, Irish uh, prices can surpass EU prices uh, for most of the year. Now, granted, costs are increasing, but costs are increasing for everybody. They're increasing for the primary producer, they're increasing for the processor, they're increasing for the retailer, and they're increasing for every other sector across Europe as well. So it's no different. Uh, so I think simply as an absolute minimum, We should be matching the EU average price. That's the bottom line.
1: And what feedback are you getting on, say, live exports and the general demand for cattle even outside of Ireland?
5: Demand is strong. Um, Live exports are strong. We'll be up more this year. Um, Libya is looking for cattle. Uh, Northern Ireland is coming back into the equation. Again, Northern Irish buyers are coming back into the equation in stronger numbers. And we'll be buying more cattle for this autumn. Uh, the Greenland trade would look like being excellent or very good. Um, our markets, our main markets for manufacturing beef and prime beef, manufacturing beef is in huge demand. Uh, all beef is, is in demand. Your fifth quarters are going reasonably well. So all the signs are positive. There's over 100,000 extra cattle slaughtered. So that should leave an evener supply for the autumn. So everything is pointing as a positive, except the price that should be, uh, the brief process should raise the prices immediately to the primary producer.
1: And we see there are indications of a demand for male cattle. You find the first boat since the 90s going off to Egypt. Uh, you're planning to go to Egypt. So that's uh, breaking a gap of many, many years. The Egyptian market opening up for live exports of, uh, of bulls.
5: Yes, and all this is very welcome because these uh, live exports are taking cattle live out of our system, which is putting real competition into the marketplace and will eventually filter through to put pressure on processors to raise prices. Um, So any, any cattle that goes live, and I expect the Northern Ireland figures to start increasing rapidly from now on as well will be a bonus for Irish livestock producers. If you go back even to this country, since the foundation of the state, the livestock industry was built uh, primarily in the beginning around live exports. And even in recent years with with exports of calves and light, light weanings, all is a plus because this is a livestock producing country with huge benefits for grass-based production. Our animals are being sought. Our our meat has been sought after because we're producing top quality. So, all both live exports and beef processors are all needed in this equation, playing their part.
1: And in Nuremberg, there recently, just a few weeks ago, the big Biofach uh, worldwide uh, display of organic products in Germany in Nuremberg, Irish um, organic products and Irish. Food in general was appreciated based, again, in the beef situation on pasture produced. And I think we're very near now to being able to register that both sides of the border, Northern Ireland and the Republic, as um, the PGI status that we are able to sell from both parts of the island to sell our beef as special grass-fed beef.
5: Yes, and this is our main selling point across the world, is uh, our grass-based system that were over uh, maybe 280 days plus outside on grass, and they're fed on grass forage inside on their inside for the few months of the winter. So that is our main, from Bor- borbia point of view, is our main selling point, and the quicker we get PGI status for that, the better, because it's going to another gold label uh, for our produce that we're selling.
1: Something a bit unwelcome, the announcement that uh, tougher TB testing rules might be on the way and the farmer being asked again to put his hand in the pocket for a second uh, test, uh, say from February 2023, farmers will face increased costs in order to TB test cattle.
5: Indeed, John Iceman has made submissions on this already to the Department of Agriculture and our policy is that no farmer should be paying the first two pre-movement tests that would cover most movements and livestock and on, on farm family farm level, that this partner should pay for the first two tests so that would relieve the burden on farmers. that's ice air policy and I say I won't be agreeing to this unless we get our policy through at the TB forum on this point.
1: Certainly a warning there. Thank you very much indeed, Mr Des Morrison, Chairperson of the ICMSA Livestock Committee. Thank you, Des, for taking our call, despite the fact that you're busy on your tractor there at the moment you've pulled in to make that no, comment. No problem, John. No problem any time. Joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme, Miss Pauline O'Driscoll, the Chagas Dairy Advisor in the Skibbereen office in the west of the county. First of all, Pauline, welcome to the programme. Now, before we talk about uh, grass and other matters, very important upcoming event.
6: There will be an open day at Shanok Dairy Farm in Bandon, which is going to be on Friday, the 2nd of September, starting at 11 a.m. Everybody is welcome. It'll be a great opportunity insofar as, like, you know, farmers will get to see and hear all about the emissions, the targets, discussions on how Shanok Farm and, and obviously farmers, dairy farmers, can reduce emissions and still be a profitable viable dairy farm there'll be opportunities to see and discuss the biodiversity aspects in Chinook, the clover multi-species and the role and and function and management of them in Chinook which obviously ultimately then you know will be applicable across farm level as well so just to put that market down on the calendar and hopefully farmers will be able to make it on the day on friday the 2nd of september
1: Do you have to register in advance, for example?
6: No. In Open Day on Friday, the 2nd of September, it starts at 11am, Carbon Zero farm, and um, so everybody is welcome to attend. And I suppose the focus on it, Farm Zero C, farming, you know, can we achieve, you know, a climate-neutral, profitable dairy farm, and, you know, farmers will get the opportunities, I say, to see and hear and discuss what they're doing in Chinook and what they will be doing in the next number of years ahead to achieve
1: that. The ongoing studies by Chagask of uh, the incorporation of varieties of seaweed into the diets to reduce methane, but of course that, we know, comes at a cost, and uh, some farmers might find the cost per animal just prohibitive. But again, Chagask are working on something that at least we know how to reduce uh, methane, and that way it's a factor if we could get over the economic thing. But perhaps uh, at that open day People might um, chat about that amongst themselves and we'd have an update on developments there by target uh, studies. Me, yes. Now, could we take the 20th of August, we'll say, as a starting point? Looking at 20th of August as a starting point, there's been a lot of dry weather in that time and farmers find themselves trying to manage grass and feed on farm and build up grass in a sort of a drought situation. Could you please outline, insofar as you can, What appears to be the situation now on the ground? John,
6: yes, thank you. But unfortunately, we all know it and know it too well that that grass this year and this August has been tricky and maybe far trickier and slower than what we would have liked to have seen it or see or get. I mean, the continuous dry weather, the high temperatures, the sheer lack of rainfall that we've had for many farmers have resulted and, you know, literally has meant lower and more stressed grass growth rates of late. Like when we look at average growth rates recorded on pasture base in the Munster region for the past week alone, um, the average recording was 35 kilograms of grass dry matter in terms of growth rate. The region um, in the Munster region, now that has varied across counties w- within it, from varying from the 20s to the early 50s, and with Cork having a recording of 33 kilograms of, of grass growth. So we are down. Naturally, these recordings, you know, as I say, are higher. and There's higher figures and lower figures than these, but which is unusual when we look back, I suppose. You know, we would expect, we would like, we would need to have higher growth rates uh, normally for this time of year in terms of building. Looking back to last year's, similar time period this time last year the growth rates was in the 60s so like all wet weather certainly is is playing and having a huge impact looking ahead then i suppose for this week now um our current week are from looking at our predicted growth model um the the estimates um growth rates are predicted to be something in the region of about 45 in terms of grass growth now i suppose it's positive we have got bits and pieces of rain and and, and some rainfall some of it is due to the rainfall that did fall um, on Monday this, this past week. However, the issue here is that I suppose the rainfall, as we know, has been very localised. So there are many areas that saw no rainfall or moisture whatsoever last Monday. And indeed all week until, you know, very small amounts of rain recorded, you know, two millimetres of rainfall recorded on Thursday um, locally in this in this area, around the Skibrain Clinic area. So naturally then, you know, it's going to have its impact and our growth may continue to be on the low side and perhaps maybe drop a small bit further um, in individual farm levels, depending on lack of moisture, lack of fertilizer, you know, and how much or how little rain has been got. Do you know, I suppose, like, to comment a little bit further on this um, again and just taking a snapshot of where we are right now. Um on pasture based figures, the average farm cover for farmers recording on measurements for this week. Um we have an average farm cover nationally of six hundred and seventy five kgs of dry matter per hectare, Our cover per cow is just over two hundred fourteen. Growth rate on average was forty seven and our demand is forty six. So on an overall basis, you know, it's it's demand is literally matching growth rates on an overall basis. But that is being that is being um achieved with supplementation so on average farms are feeding three kilos a meal and one kilo of silage to bring it a little bit more local then and um, to this neck of the woods so over in bandon shannock dairy farm on the 16th of august had an average farm cover of 551 the cover per cow was of 183 they achieved a growth rate of 30 they're stocked at three livestock units per hectare they've now reduced demand and to 27 so there's nine kilos of supplement going in This is clearly being done in light of the recent weather and the time of year, so we're reducing demand. We're trying to keep average farm cover high, as high as possible, and trying to start to build the covers. So I suppose it's similar to this. All farmers will need to assess their own situation, take the necessary steps to try and build the grass, work towards trying to hit some of the targets. Um, Maybe we're not going to achieve them as fast as we'd like or as soon as we'd like, um are not like maybe we've had other years but we certainly have to go about looking putting plans and taking corrective action at this point I think
1: we know this is not like last year and we have to try and keep to the plan even though there's the intrusion of the drought element A few welcome showers every now and then of course but nothing really to change the basic situation but looking at where we are looking at the influence of this drought situation and the heat wave etc could you still outline some reminders and targets?
6: Absolutely. Well I suppose as I mentioned there, like there's a lot of figures there that I've just mentioned and like all those figures recorded on pasture base, like and, and, and quoting there in terms of where we are nationally in terms of average farm cover and figures and feeding rates so like there's many farms on either side of these figures in terms of overall covers growths and demands at farm level so like to bring it again a bit more locally in 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 skibbereen area i'm aware farmers this past week recording growth rates you know as low as 22 24 kilograms right up to 70 kilograms um per hectare of growth and a little bit with it but like such is the variation and that's what we need to kind of refocus ourselves and take priority i suppose now to turn our own focus individually to start to try to maybe reset or start again and try and start the clock towards you know you know building the grass i mean some years depending on stocking rates at farm level if we have a normal good groaty august um you know that that sometimes it can in fact be an issue of building too much grass too quickly but i suppose you know broadly speaking in a comment here i suppose we're safe enough to say this year um this august so far it's not the case, and possibly won't be the case at all this year, unless of course, in fact, if you were fortunate enough to have got some of the rainfall that fell in certain places, and you know if you know once this moisture and fertilizer is out, and if you're stuck in then you might be but you know, as I say, because of the dry weather we've had our low growth rates, it's crucial really to us assess our own farm, walk the fields, see what level of grass is on the farm. You're looking at, in terms of putting it into days, our target mid-August is to have a rotation length of 25 days. You want to build this up then. So we're starting off mid-August where we are now. We can say 25 days rotation. Build this up towards 30 days, towards start of September, 35 mid-September, 40 days by the end of September. When I say 25 days, it means that if, for if argument are keeping it very simplistic, if I have 25 hectares of ground available to me, you have 25 hectares and you want to make 25 days out of that. So you're dividing one by the other. So it means you can have, you know, graze no more than one hectare per day to have your 25 days. If I don't have enough grass, and I suppose this is a crucial thing too, to feed my herd on that hectare of ground per day, then like if growth rates have been low and there's not enough grass, then, you know, additional ration, the ration must be increased or, you know, additional grass brought on by zero grazing, solid bales, you know, whichever is more available, readily available if you're fortunate enough to have grass that you can zero graze or whichever is possible in your own situation.
1: Thank you, Pauline. Miss Pauline O'Driscoll, Chagask Dairy Advisor in the Skibbereen office, part of an extensive interview there with uh, Pauline. And that's Farm Talk for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to Barry O'Mahony and Mariette Tuig for contributing to the programme again this week. In particular, to Miss Mariette Tuig, News reporter ninety six one three FM news for creating the Farm Talk podcasts for the web, and a very special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in.
0: A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend.